No, I, I you know, as we're, um, as we <clears throat> go into the final stages of this kind of sermon series, putting your life in order, I just thought about a, a message for me um, that's been just kind of marinating in my heart and just what I've been thinking a lot about. And, you know, it's kind of a tangent from putting your life in order, but rather, you know, the topic today and next week would be putting your church in order. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this um, because recently, you know, the last year or two, you know, there's times where Jenny, you know, she's not really a, a TV person. And so every so often she goes, oh, let's watch something. And the kids are asleep. And I'm like, yes, let's, you know, and I'm like, uh, and I turn on the TV, and then I'm thinking, oh, what can we watch? Um, and there's this, you know, there's this documentary on Hillsong, right? And, <clears throat> and um, you know, I, I have, you know, very fond memories of Hillsong music. Um, and, you know, even when we were in Australia, we visited the church. And, you know, and I still have, you know, I, I don't think that everything is bad. But, you know, they're presenting certain things in this documentary that made me really... Uh, disheartened, you know, really just um, painful to watch sometimes. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, one of the things as, as it was being shown in this documentary is just the uh, abuse of power, you know, um, and cover-up of child abuse, financial abuses. Um, and then, you know, I, and I think about this, and because what's also fresh on mine is when I talked to Andrew recently, he said, oh, yeah, there's some uh, bonus episodes of Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And, you know, these are all churches that I have high regards of in the past. I just listened to at least and read their some things and appreciated some things of what they've been doing, along with many others. You know, there's, you know, Bill Hybels and Willow Creek. And it just made me think, you know, just like how, um, how painful it is sometimes. So to see a church, you know, go up and down, and it should never depend on one particular leader. Uh, but at, at the same time, in these particular cases, you know, when there's great leaders, they also, strong leaders, they also have a potential to make mistakes. We all do. And, and I'm not saying we excuse any of that, um, not at all. But it made me think about what would it look like uh, more and more, and even as we talk here, and for those who are at Stepping Stone, when you graduate, when you move to other churches, things to look for, things to be a part of. And for us here, you know, to, to think, what would that look like in leadership? How could we, you know, think about this in ways that would potentially not necessarily avoid, but make sure that we have support, support through, because it's clear, clear that every one of us, and even in Scripture it says that in First Corinthians, right, that <clears throat> there's no temptation, right, no temptation. It's common. It's common to every one of us that we would slip, we can fall. But that God gives us a way out. There's things that we can do, right, in ways to address temptations, leadership, abuse. And I think one of the thoughts that I had was, what does that look like in having a strong leadership that would support, that would watch out for the church? Because for both of these churches, uh, Mars Hill you know, all the churches became, and it started, it started in 1996, and it dissolved in January 1st, 2015, right? And as a, as a network, as a church, it had at one point 15,000 attenders um, all around and 260,000 viewers online, 
right? And most of these, some of these churches are still going. They're autonomous. They're apart from Mars Hill. Likewise, in Hillsong, you know, at the end of the documentary, it says 10 of the 16 locations in the U.S. have closed, right? And it's just disheartening to see um, the effects of not just what the leaders, the mistakes that they, but how that affects everyone else, right? And the, the gospel, the witness, and more and more as we move from a culture into, and more as we move into a culture of people knowing about God, but not being interested, right? This witness is so important. And I, I realize more and more, this is one thing that I would like us to think about is, and we, as we think about putting your church in order, right? Is why is it important today? And we're going to go with three questions that we look at the, the passages. Why is it important? What is an overseer? And lastly, who qualifies as this over, an overseer, right? Why is it important? Like I said, more and more the importance of having leadership with integrity, with <clears throat> character is important all around, not just within the churches, but all around. You know, right now, <clears throat> Larry just mentioned in Haiti, the corrupt politicians. You know, it could be anywhere. It could be doctors. It could be lawyers. It could be you know, <clears throat> business people. But what does it look like to have integrity as people, right? And naturally, within the church, even more so. Why is it important? Because I think it, it matters to the witness of the gospel, right? It's so important that when I think about this, when you see patterns in the New Testament of Paul and, and the apostles of Titus 1, Verse 5, he, he writes this. He says, he left Titus in Crete that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Right, that he's telling Titus, he's telling, and Paul's mentioning, hey, know that this is unfinished. You could have gone with me, but I left you there. This is one of the main purpose, that you can appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Right, that there is an importance of leadership especially in the formation of new churches, young churches, that it is something that is needed. It's not just something that's nice, that's good, but it's absolutely needed, right? You see this in, the, in their practice in Acts 14, as they planted many churches all around Paul and Barnabas in, in verses 21 to 23, <clears throat> they go back to the churches that they planted. It says they preached the gospel in the city one. They returned to these, you know, uh, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. So they're going back to the church plants, he said, and he, they share with them, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You see this pattern you know, that they go and they, you know, they're planning these churches. And these churches, you know, many times, and especially in this area, it's not that they were completely have Jewish um, heritage completely where they know all this about the law. A lot of times it could be new believers, people new to understanding who Jesus is. And as they're coming around, they're realizing, no, we need to have leadership. And they're appointing elders, right? It's not just a... <clears throat> A vote of like, okay, who wants to be? But rather, there's an appointment. There's what people have seen 
you know, in their character and their out and their fruits of their lives, that they're committed to them. They commit them to the Lord. It, it, other places it says <clears throat> that the congregation prays, right, for them. And I think this is some, a, a practice that is just more and more important, as I see, of having leadership, having plurality of leaders. You know, many times in the New Testament and epistles, almost all the time, when they mention the word elders and overseers, it's always in, the, in, the, in plural in the Greek language, right? It's not one person. But what we see and what is hard is that, you know what, church plants, smaller churches, Oftentimes, there's just either one leader or a few leaders. You know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I, I do see that there is something about strengths, about the plurality of leadership that is needed to make sure in what they say is guarding them as we look into it about the doctrines, about wrong, sound doctrine, about shepherding, about caring. And this is a message for all of us, and especially for those of us in leadership, of what that looks like. You know, because it is so important. We see the practices. It's so necessary. And even so, as I encourage our church here, that 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, is just, you know, Paul's writing, he says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be overseers desires a noble task. Right? Desires a noble, it's, a, it's, an, it's not easy. Life is messy. Life gets messier as we get, sometimes as I've gotten older, I see that, you know, I, I used to be very black and white. And I think there are times where there are, it is black and white. But there are times now that I see a lot more gray and blending into things. And having discernment, love, extending grace, not just pointing out in judgment, but rather restoring people. You know, there's something about, <clears throat> I remember talking to a pastor when, during my sabbatical, and he was saying to me, he says, Christians have a tendency to shoot their own wounded. You know, you're sharing something, and <clears throat> you know, it's hard, you're going through something, and then suddenly they're like, oh, wait, wait, you're disqualified, you shouldn't be. And I, like I said, I'm not, <clears throat> I think there's definitely valid reasons at times, and there's importance of keeping the integrity of leadership. But I also wonder, just in general, what does restoration look like? What does grace and love and building people up, right? Not just putting the questions of like, as a leader, dominating, <clears throat> dominating over someone, but rather, what does that look like to build people up? You know, it's important <clears throat> as we see this in the practice, as, we, as I see even in what we see around us in these churches as examples. And it's easy to point to these churches. I mean, there's a lot that was done great and well. But I can see that, you know, oftentimes if they're not a strong leadership in general, it's just hard to <clears throat> make sure that it's not just one person that now affects hundreds or tens of thousands of people, their faith, their walk. I wonder if there were people that stood up and said something, what would that look like? How would that be different? Or could it be different? I think we talked about why it's important, but I, you know, we, I want us to see in Scripture what is an overseer. I had to take a step back and say, what is an overseer? 
You know, the overseer <clears throat> is described in these two places, and there's more, but I'm mentioning 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 3. Right? To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, Watch, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Right, you see this, <clears throat> this the words used together, elders, right, the over, the, the verb form of overseer is watching over, right? And you see that shepherds, that's how you get the, the pastor, elder, overseer, all kind of interplay together, right? Those, they're not necessarily, they don't have to be separate roles, but you see that used wording interplay together, all right? Not only that, I'll show you one more before we come back to this, right? You see the same thing in Acts 20, right? As Paul is goes to Ephesus, he goes and tells the elders to meet together, and he says this to them at the very end. He says, keep watch over yourself, this overseer, right? And all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and you will not, sp and will not spare the flock. And it goes on even within the church, there will be false teaching, right? It goes on that passage. But this idea of what is an overseer, an elder, someone that is, <clears throat> is overseeing, someone that is leading, someone that's keeping watch over the flock, right? That are shepherds, that are pastors. I think this is more of a challenge, you know, as I think about it for myself, the leadership team, and even as we're praying about new leadership team in the future, right? It's important to think about what does that look like? What, are, what is their role? The role is to watch over, to shepherd people. It's not just to have leadership, but it says what? <clears throat> it's not just because you have to, but because you are willing, right? Eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, other translations, dominating the, those, but being examples to the flock. An overseer as a leader is <clears throat> one that cares for people, cares for people, cares for the doctrines, the teachings of Christ, to make sure it's consistent, right? Make sure that, you know, you can have sound doctrine, you can look through, see it within Scripture, understand the interpretations, present different things, but at the same time, watching over, thinking through what's best. And I think more and more, especially where we are as we're coming out of COVID, this is important for us as a church. What is our next step? <clears throat> what, where are things going? I got, recently got an email from, you know, our website, and one person emailed, and I thought it was interesting, is that it's like the title of it was something like there's 400 and new, 403 new families that moved into Canesville. 
right? And it says, click on this link to see this kind of study. And, I was, and then I copy or paste this link. And so I copy and paste, try not to click on it, to just see if, you know, what, what is it? And it's the same thing from the email. But what was striking and what made me think is that, man, there are people moving into this right around us, right? Right around there for the stepping stone. There are new students coming in in two months. What does that look like as we are part of this church, as you are part, as this is your church? What does that look like for us? Because we're willing to lead, we're willing to love, to serve, eager to serve. What would that look like to shepherd people around us? You know, I think next week we're going to talk more about the congregation. But, you know, I think more and more I, I think about this. What does that look like to not just for us to come in and out, but to participate, to be involved, to care for people? To care for the new students, the, the, the students that are coming, whether they're new or not. To care for those who are moving into this region, into our neighborhoods. To share about our faith. If it was so important to us, just as much as we think you know, we just prayed for Ethan getting it. I know, sorry, I put you on the spot. About getting into Metsu, and we're celebrating certain things. We're celebrating things that matter to us. We celebrated uh, babies' birthdays. We invited our friends because that's important to us. We celebrate. What would it look like to celebrate our life in Jesus? What would it look like to extend that to people around us and to be able to care? and to love and to serve people around us, right? It's a noble task. I I actually think for all of us, as we strive, as we're growing, and the last part we'll talk about what qualifies, that as we're growing and growing in maturity and understanding and in character, that this would be a desire that we would serve in leadership, not necessarily here, it could be anywhere. But that the kingdom of God is all around us. And what does it look like to participate, to join in? Lastly, I wanna just mention, you know, the importance of who qualifies as an overseer. As you go on in 1 Timothy 3, Verses, I'm only going to go verses 1 to 7. Um, <clears throat> we just mentioned, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, Excuse me. not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent com- convert or he may be conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into d- disgrace and into the devil's trap. You know, there's so much about the character right here. <clears throat> about an overseer, elder. 
Yeah, I listed some of them just to make it a little bit easier, but we'll probably go back. But above reproach, right? I, I think more and more this is just so important. Not just, I think oftentimes we just see it, oh, the, well, I'm not thinking about church. I don't, I don't need to live like that. I'm not thinking about being a leader. No, I think this is a calling for all of us of, of living our lives in ways that have reputation that reflects the gospel that matters even to wherever you work, whatever you do, right? Because that is our witness in this world. Faithful to his wife, and I, we're gonna go into more in the f- near future about teaching a woman leadership. But here we, you know, as Paul writes it, he's not married. You know, Jesus is not. It's not necessarily a disqualification or you have to be married or else they wouldn't be in it, right? They wouldn't be an elder. But idea of faithful, ideal, <clears throat> there's certain principles about this that will we'll go more into women in leadership in the future. But I, w- I would say the idea of faithfulness is one that's important. Temperance and the characters, self-control, respectable, hospitable. All right? <clears throat> I, think, I think it's important as we look into this I mentioned some things that it's not sometimes, well, I'm not qualified. Well, I don't, I'm not, I don't fit in this, so I'm disqualified. No, I think <clears throat> sometimes we're not there. Paul was not married. That doesn't mean he's disqualified. These are some of the qualifications. It, they help you to see. But at the same time, you can ask yourself, am I actually disqualified? Or how can I grow? Many of these churches that they're going back into, <clears throat> into these church plants are young churches or new, con- like recent, not necessarily completely recent, but they come back and they see people living out their faith. They see their character over time. They see their life changed by the gospel, changed by this relationship with God, that they live as a new creation. You know, <clears throat> I think there's, one thing that's able to be seen outside, right? Outside in this, in, in what you and you see of my life, but there's also things that are seen within, right? Within of <clears throat> being able to, to manage your own household. You know, things that Jenny or the kids see in my life, things that I know of my life that I know I need to grow in, right? But I think not just the outside of what's seen, is seen in the gifts and talents, but also the inside, and probably perhaps more so the inside. We live in a culture that, <clears throat> you know, highly values gifts and talents and charisma, right? That, if, <clears throat> that, that can carry us quite far. But sometimes we may overvalue those over than character, teamwork, working as a team, loving each other, that is not just about getting things done, but how do you do it together, right? How do you do things when you have to speak up, when you're in the minority speaking up to what is wrong, what you think or what you see that potentially is wrong? You know, some of these qualifications, they really address and look at what's inside, the inside our hearts of how we respond, who we are. 
right? Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I think must, <clears throat> this is something that just over and over I want to stress. Is that, what does that look like for us to grow in our character and not just what people can see? What people, what people value sometimes, but rather what does God value and how does that, it doesn't have to be so mutually ex- exclusive, but we ourselves know, right? And perhaps one of the biggest things is do we desire to change? Do we desire to be transformed by God, to move with him? You know, I, I think this is um, interesting because like I mentioned, that as we value sometimes gifts, talents, charisma, that sometimes when we're not looking at our character, it's easy. And actually, he warns us, Paul warns us. He warns how easy it is to become, he may become conceit, conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. And what's probably even more so <clears throat> is that there's a devil's trap, right? He <clears throat> must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. That there is a continued attack or traps laid out. You know, I think most of the pastors, you know, in, I, I, I can't speak for all of them, but I would hope that when they entered in, they didn't think, oh, I'm going to have an affair. I'm, you know, I, I, think those, I think there's sexual predators. I, I think that's probably true. But most people, when they enter into leadership, they're not thinking, How, what am I going to do? Just, I, I'm looking to get disqualified. No. But as we grow in our lives, in our, <clears throat> in, in, even in the church, that there are traps set, and I think <clears throat> this is why more and more of how I feel the importance of plurality of leaders, of people asking each other real questions, hard questions. I love the, <clears throat> our kind of our, you know, it's MRT, but it's our pastor's relations team, people that can ask each other the pastor's questions about how they're doing, ask tough questions, ask questions about, you know, what they're thinking about, what they're really trying to do, or even their weaknesses, their blind spots. Because there are traps all around us. And that if we <clears throat> feel that we're not, it's not, we're too good or we might not fall, I think that's exactly what Paul talks about in Corinthians, right? I mentioned it. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. It is common. This, these are things that, these traps are common and temptation. And it is, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I personally think one of the way outs is this idea of plurality of leadership, accountability, a, a real sense of community. Not people that you just spend time having dinners and lunches and enjoy each other's presence, but a community that desires to follow God, a community that desires to sharpen one another, to grow, to be a participant of the kingdom of God, right? To just, to be able to love and extend that love to each other, to others, to each other. It's so important and not to be insular and just to consume but rather, what does that look like 
to live out our faith, to live out our new identity. You know, as we look at this list, right, of all these things, I'll use this list. I think it's something that I just want to highlight. Highlight because I realize there are times where I have, I remember one time I was asking a hard question to someone uh, and one of my leaders and I was asking a hard question and I I was thinking to myself, wait, should I not have asked that? Like, you know, did I break our friendship because I asked a hard question or if I asked something about their lives? But I realize as a leader, as, as, as especially as we serve this church, serve the church universal, that it is important to be above reproach, to live out our faith, to be able to be self-controlled and temperate, to be able to have these conversations, not quarrelsome, to have these real conversations in our lives, and to be able to ask some of these hard questions sometimes, and to be asked that I'm not excluded from that. Because the reality is that there are temptations, there are traps, that it is not easy at times. But what we also see that's so important is that we see the patterns in the New Testament of Paul, Barnabas, even asking Titus, hey, I left you there so that you would appoint these elders, these leaders, right? Appoint them because why? What we see more and more that is necessary, is important, that life is messy, right? And so I challenge, I challenge us as a church, as individuals, for the students, all the way to any one of us. I challenge to aspire to be an overseer. That it's a, it's a noble task and it's one that actually is, for, to me, one that is of great joy and of also of great stress because life is messy. But when you see God moving, it is amazing to, to be a part of that. And in doing so, <clears throat> I, I'm more and more thinking about this, that it is important for us as a church, wherever <clears throat> you go after this, of that the importance of leadership, of integrity, of character is not just within the church, but it's within your work, within your communities, within your friends, within your family. The things that you say are the things that you mean. Right? How you live out with your family, how you live out right now. How you care for those around you. And rather than thinking what if you're qualified, but Perhaps something that just easily think about is, are you disqualified and can you move and grow in ways that you could desire and aspire for that, right? Because it is essential, essential. And I can say that even within our church that I feel like our leadership team, they've gone through years of COVID. We have stuck together, but we are at a new junction, at a new place. And if we want to see this church grow we need to have new leaders. We need to, <clears throat> we need to live outside of ourselves. And I'm not saying that we are just right now, but I think this is something that we have to push forward to. 
that there are 400 new people moving in this area. There are at least, I'm, from the last I checked, 1,400 freshmen coming into Hopkins every year. You know, and there's houses and places that are probably being sold around your, place, your house right now where you live. We need people to be want and desire to be shepherds of God's words, God's love, and to be his hands and feet to serve. Let's pray. Lord, we just um, lift up this church to you, Lord. Lord, we lift up, Lord, I lift up each person. Lord, that we would not feel obligated, but that we would be eager and willing, that we would not feel that this is a burden, but rather an opportunity, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to to see you move in different ways, Lord. That you're much bigger than our own lives and our own goals. Lord, that your kingdom is all around us. And so, Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to see, to desire. Lord, move in our hearts. Give us conviction and a desire to serve your people. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are faithful, Lord. That even beyond, especially beyond what we do for you, that you care for us to grow in you, Lord, to become more like you. And so, Lord, I just pray for what you're doing in our lives, in our character, in the things that are unseen, Lord. May you, Lord, um, bring people in our lives that we would be able to truly share about that the ups and the downs, that we would be able to extend love and grace and not just to be right, but Lord, to build up, to equip more and more people in your kingdom, in your church, Lord. So Lord, we pray, we pray for these empty seats. We pray that, Lord, that you would bring people, Lord, that you are working in people's lives right now. We pray for these encounters of just extending your grace, your love that you have given us. Give us the boldness and the courage to speak of you, Lord, to speak of your goodness, your grace, and who you are in our lives, Lord. We pray that you would raise up leaders, not just in this church, but all churches, Lord, that desire to have that integrity to follow, to stand up for what is right and not what is popular. Lord, may the church, Lord, be a display of your love, Lord. A witness to who you are. So Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for how you brought us to where we are now and how you will continue to guide our lives. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to be moved, Lord, a soft heart to what you are doing. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.